Hey everybody, welcome to episode 4 of Teacher's Take. On today's episode, we're going to go over the brand new news about Dana Holgerson and where he's going and where we're at with the coaching candidates that could be replacing him. We got our WVU basketball news. Are they getting back to where they should be or are they going to keep laying flat come Big 12 play? In NBA news, during third period, we got James Harden. Is he going to win back-to-back MVPs? And then last but not least to end the episode, we're going to be talking about the NFL playoff matchups on this crazy wild card weekend. And today's episode is brought to you by SCG Insurance Company. Uh, so they provide insurance throughout West Virginia and Virginia with offices in Beckley, Bell, Bluefield, Princeton, Bluewell, Welch, and Mullins. Smarter insurance starts with experts who think a little differently. A company which understands your industry and what's on the line for you. At SCG Insurance Incorporated, we've built our business creating innovative solutions to the toughest risk management challenges. Our clients' financial security and quality of life are of the utmost importance to us. That's why, as your insurance advisor, we're dedicated to helping you make smart decisions, protecting you from the unexpected, and planning for the predictable. So reach out to SCG Insurance Company, 304-256-1668, 304-256-1668, and ask for our good buddy, Joe Wiley. All right, guys, let's get this show on the road. Welcome back to First Period, guys. Uh, in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, the coaching change or the transition <clears throat> at WVU. Dana Holgerson out, and who's his replacement? Uh, you know, we're sitting here looking at the contract for it. Holgerson at WVU, he was making $3.6 million a season, and he was on contract for, what, another two, three years? Two years, It was, and it was set to go up each year, um, like a 3.8 and a 3.9 maybe the next two years. Yeah, and he goes to Houston, and he gets a flat out every year, five-year, 20 mil, and it averages out to four mil a season. Four million a season. I think um, – on his behalf, I think part of that was uh, long-term job security. Mm-hmm. I think that we were willing to maybe pay him, but I think uh, from things that I've read, he wanted long-term security, and we weren't willing to invest that much in long-term. And um, I also read some contradicting reports that said he just wouldn't accept the offer we were making, mm-hmm. and it was a very reasonable offer. Um, well, and he's also got roots in Houston. He does. I, he so does. I, I um, kind of understand that part, too. But the biggest thing that puzzles me and you as well is how do you leave a Power 5 school to go to a non-Power 5 school? Yeah, it, that that is probably the biggest head-scratcher. But, you know, I'm sitting here thinking about it. It'd be sort of like going to a school that you can go and win eight games every year and you're fine. Yeah. But you can go to a school like WVU, and if you win eight games, they're ready to cut your head off. Well, I think um, with the time that he's had in our program, he's underachieved. I still think Holgerson was a solid coach. I, I know um, you know a lot of people in our fan base. I've read social media. Uh, there's some fan pages out there. Man, people are nasty and ugly. And like I've said before, I, I think I said it last week. We're we're not Alabama. We're not Oklahoma. We're not USC. We're not Ohio State. You know, we're not top tier programs now. Does our university and our TV contract generate a lot of revenue? Yes. Um, do we have the boosters and the money to pay coaches? Yes. But kids just don't want to come and play in Morgantown. No. You know, West Virginia's population is is small, and 
Morgantown is not really a city to these guys. When you got guys coming from Kansas City or from Houston or from uh, Los Angeles, Miami, Miami, and you know, they come from metropolitan areas. And when they come to Morgantown, they they don't want to play here. You know, that's why we get the three and three and four star recruits, the players that um, didn't get a lot of love. So, well, I mean, think about this: we have two five star high school kids out of Huntington. Doug Nestor, and I'm trying to remember the Darnell, Donnell mm-hmm. Wright. From, One's going to UT, yeah, Tennessee. Well, well, he hasn't committed yet, but he's leaning towards UT. And the Nestor kid's been committed to Ohio State, but since all this stuff's came, came about, around, yeah. I mean, he's going on recruiting visits. Yeah, so. But, I mean, and WVU's not even cracking their top five. No. I no, mean, no, they don't want to go there. No, and you know, historically, WVU's not put a lot of people on the pros. Uh, credit Dana Holgerson for putting um, – I think I saw the statistic, it was 20 people he's put in the NFL mm-hmm. in a six-year time frame. And before that, it was few and far between yeah. um, for guys going into the league. Uh, Holgerson did us a solid. He transitioned us from um, from the Big East to the Big 12. And, you know, he, he led a lot of positive transitions and a lot of positive uh, rebuilding of our infrastructure. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many of you guys are – familiar with Morgantown, but in the last eight to ten years, uh, there's been a lot of change. Ever since WVU moved to the Big 12, there's a lot more money. So, um, you know, the football stadium's been renovated. They got practice facilities. The Coliseum looks amazing. You know, there's there's so much stuff. And, that, and that's in all sports. You know, the, there's soccer. Well, I mean, dude, look at the baseball stadium. The eh? baseball stadium. I mean, the money that the Big 12 – has and the TV contracts with the D- Big Twelve has uh, generated is unreal, um, and a lot of that is credited to football and basketball. Not that I dislike any of the other sports, but your big money sports it's football and it's basketball. I mean that's where the money's at. So, I mean, it, kudos to Holgerson. I respect him. I don't fully understand it. I don't have a bad thing to say about the guy. He he did a good job here. He ran a clean program. Yep. He kept his nose clean. He kept his players clean, and he graduated players and. Well, I mean, dude, I, I've got to give Holgerson credit. There's not a lot of guys that can have, have dealt with the way this fan base is. Oh, my goodness. But, I mean, it, the only reason people don't want to kill Bob Huggins right now is simply because... He's he, homegrown. Yeah, I mean, he's a homegrown <laughs> kid. Holgerson's coming from Texas, coming from the Oklahoma side. I mean, he has been out there forever. He took this job at WVU, and he grew us into something good. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think there's going to be a lot less stress on him, and I think that plays a big factor. But, you know, more power to the guy. He he did a lot for our program, more than what the what Bill Stewart did, in yeah. my opinion. I mean, Bill yeah, Stewart won one big game. Holgerson, he's won us quite a few big ones. Well, um, you know, I think that Holgerson inherited the Orange Bowl team. Um, but Bill Stewart played a, a big role in that, and, you know, he helped – transition us from the Rich Rod era. And, you know, a lot's changed in the last 15 years of WVU football. I mean, we go from a spread run type team that was run dominant with the Pat White and then, um, you know, the Geno era. And then, uh, which was, well, I guess Bill Stewart was a little more traditional. Um, And then Dana comes in with his air raid offense and Geno, you look at Geno and you look at – our guy now, Will Greer, looking at the draft. Um, you know, there's been a lot of changes and a lot of transitions, but I think our program is solid. Uh, either way, if you look at WVU side, next year, if Dana stayed, we're still a four to six win team. Mm-hmm. 
you get a new face in there, you motivate the guys, you know, you light a fire under them, whatever it is. It, you know, a new face can go a long way. Um, I still say we're a four to six win team. You know, we'll be a bubble bowl team. Yeah. And it'd be fun to see where it goes. So, uh, you know, you and I have talked about it, and uh, we both agree that there are two leading candidates, and we both support the opposite. So you support... See, I'm I'm real big on this Luke Fickle guy from Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I think he brings a lot to the table. Yeah, uh, I mean he's worked on as much as I hate both of these guys. He worked under him, and they're highly respected coaches, Urban Meyer and Jim Trestle. That's championship caliber. I, I mean he, he knows what it takes to win. He's mm-hmm. he's been with those guys. He's been the co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State for eleven years under both of those guys. He filled in under Trestle. He was like that bridge guy between. The between Trestle and Meyer, he mm-hmm. filled in. They went six and seven, and he was an inexperienced coach. Literally said, "Here you go, Here you fill go. in." And <clears throat> he took him to the Gator Bowl. Uh, they lost, but crap happens. I mean, yeah. he, he took him there. And then you know the relationship that he's got with the president of the university and Gordon Gee. I mm-hmm. mean, he he's a stud, and I love Gordon Gee. And if he likes a guy so much, I'm going to put my trust in him. He's done good for us so far. Yeah, I mean, I can, I can, I can live with that. Um, I like Neil Brown. Um, Fickle runs a little more run dominant power run game, and I'm not so sure that that fits with our program or our conference. Uh, to run the power run game, you really have to recruit next level big guys and and running backs. And see, I think if you bring a guy like Fickle in, those offensive tackles we were talking about. Mm-hmm. They're sticking around because they're going to be busting people's noses in. Maybe so, but how do you get them to come play at West Virginia, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the Rodney could just came in as like a three-star recruit that no one raved about, and now he's looked at as a potential first-round draft pick. Mm-hmm. So, and that's development, you know. And can he develop players very well? So, uh, maybe. But, um, you know, to, to run a power run game, you have to play – big boy ball and you have to recruit big boy players and the best teams in power run is the SEC because the SEC pr- produces the most professional athletes mm-hmm. and I mean if you're the best of the best and you want to play power run game you go into the SEC it doesn't matter what school it is the SEC produces the most NFL athletes especially the big guys you yeah. look at the guys in the trenches they come from SEC schools they play snot nose brooded out fight and but here's the thing if you want to shut down some of these air raid teams you want to shut down the Oklahomas best way is to take the ball out of their hands that's easier said than done it is I mean you know a lot of teams have tried to do the uh control the tempo and um you know dominate time of possession but uh you know in retrospect if, if a team goes out and scores in a minute and your defense uh you know, your offense comes on the field, you might control the ball for six to eight minutes, but you have to score. Yeah. You have to score because that team is going to come right back out and they're, they're going to score. I mean, you, know, you look at Oklahoma and in years past Baylor uh, or even Oklahoma State, I mean, you, you can bet the house on they're going to score 35 points. Well, I mean, Fickle, in just the two years he's been at Cincinnati, his first year coaching – at Cincinnati, mm-hmm. he went four and eight. Mm-hmm. Not anything to brag about, but he also didn't have his guys in yet. Right, which is fair. After his first recruiting cycle, mm-hmm. they go from a four and eight football team 
to eleven and two and just beat Virginia Tech in the military. In the military world, yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's not it's not like that they're just you know so, so they're not one of those typical AAC teams. They're not a UCF. Right. They don't have a guy that's going to go out there and chuck it deep, and mm-hmm. then they're not going to have the little scat back catching the short right. ones and making. They're a play. they're trying to be a more traditional team. Yeah. And and I've actually got to watch them a couple times, and if we get a guy like Fickle here in WVU. I have a feeling that he could definitely take us places mm-hmm. if he gets the right recruits. And that's the thing. That's why That's why I say I think his style could potentially succeed in our conference, but I just don't know that we could get the players. You yeah. know what I mean? And I've said it before. It's not about the X's and O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Yes. And it, I will say this is my last little bit on him, and then we're going to hear about Mr. Brown. He – Luke Fickle recruits Ohio heavy. Mm-hmm. Do you know what comes out of Ohio? I mean, very good players. Mm-hmm. Specifically, there are traditionally the best offensive and defensive linemen in the country. If you want offensive linemen, you want defensive linemen, you go to the Youngstowns, you go to Cleveland, you go to Cincinnati, mm-hmm. you go to those cities, and you try and find some big horses, and you yeah. bring them on back, back to Morgantown. And I think... Sort of like what he's done at Cincinnati. Give him a little bit of time. I mean, it took him two years to take a four-win team to an 11. Yeah, that's it, fair. It, and I have a feeling if he's able to recruit well at Cincinnati, I have a feeling at WVU being a Big 12 program, a Power 5 conference, he'll be able to use that to his Same advantage. Connection. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he's clearly good at what he does. And, um, you know, he has an act for, for, for leading a program. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Neil Brown... 31 and 8 in 3 years. He uh won at LSU in 2016, big win. Um 10 and 3 this year. They beat Nebraska and they won the Dollar General Bowl. Mm-hmm. They put them at 10 wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, 10 wins is tough, man. I don't care if you're playing in the AAC, the MAC, the WAC, the Big 12, the Sun Belt. <laughs> yeah. 10 wins is 10 wins, man. It's tough. Yeah. Um you know, they do he does run a similar air raid offense. Um but he runs the ball a little more, so he's a little more balanced. This year alone, you know, they were they were a run dominant team, not by much, but they they ran the ball about fifty five percent of the time, and uh, you know they like to throw about forty five. So Holgerson was was trending in the right direction with that, with keeping a little bit of a balanced um, offensive attack. So uh, you know, <clears throat> I read up that he he does he plays well with the boosters, and he's. A, a player's coach. Kids want to play for him. Um, See, I remember watching that game against LSU, and he really did have a team that was playing hard, and I have a feeling they were playing hard for him. For him, right. Like, I mean, you know, not that you have to play. You don't – if you're a college athlete and you know – if you play at a small school and you know you're going to Death Valley and you're going to be on national TV, you don't need somebody to amp you up. But, you know, if a coach can really get you out there, so. But, yeah, that goes back to another – some people are self-motivated and some people aren't. Yeah. So, um, either way, I think uh, he would be a great fit. Um, the thing is, from what I've been reading, he may he may hold out for a little bit more money. Um, well, yeah, he's only getting paid like what eight hundred something. Eight hundred thousand right now. And uh, Fickle, what's Fickle's current contract? Oh man, he's <coughs> making quite a bit. He. Uh, well, I'll let you fact check that. So. Um, but WVU is looking at a four to five year contract in the eleven to fifteen million range, roughly two point five to three million a year is what they're looking to pay their next head coach. Mm-hmm. And 
from what I'm reading, Neil Brown is he's he's going to get a good job. He's going to be in a Power Five conference. But um, you know, is he going to get this two point five to three million a year from West Virginia, or is he going to hold out to try to get a three point five four million dollar deal? Um, or you know, so I think that's going to be a big factor in it as well. Yeah. So I looked up Fickle's contract and. I think this is just another big draw for me. Six years, $13.4 million contract at the University of Cincinnati. And he's got it set up like Holgerson had, where first season, $1.9 million. Second season, two. Third season, two point three, And then two point four for the last three, three years. years. Yeah. And he gets a bonus if they played in the New Year's Day bowl game. He got a $250,000 bonus. Yeah. And $75,000 just for one bowl appearance. So his contract's set up. With incentives and you, different things. And honestly, he's a young dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, he if he comes to a place like Morgan Knight, he's going to be there a while. And I don't think Neil Brown's very old either. So I think that's another big draw for yeah, both of these and, guys. Um, I think with the university, we don't want a quick turnaround. We don't want, um, you know, Dana gave us a good six, seven years. And he did help bridge the gap but uh, we need the, the Bob Huggins of football. We need the face of the university for football. And we need someone that is going to embrace what it means. Not that Holgerson didn't, because he, he pretty much did. But someone that's going to embrace what it means to be from West Virginia and someone that can recruit and, you know, <laughs> someone that just does it the right way and people like him and people want to play for him. So, yeah. All right, guys. Well, that's going to go ahead and wrap up the WV football segment. And now we're going to move on to second period and recap the Lehigh versus Mountaineers basketball game. All right, guys. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go ahead and get started with second period. All right. So we watched, everybody watched the WVU Lehigh game. And if you didn't get a chance, you actually missed a pretty good game from the Mountaineers. Overall, It was a much improved basketball team. They looked a lot better than they have the past few games. They still got some stuff they got to fix, but the big takeaway from the game was Beetle Bolden did not start. Beetle Bolden came off the bench. Beetle had the best game of the year. Yeah, this is the best we've seen him play. Um, I think, I'm not sure if it was a psychological effect or if he's just better suited coming off the bench. Um... I think also <clears throat> not having him initiate the offense helps a lot. Having him run more of the two-guard position, mm-hmm. it makes him a little more effective because he's better playing off the ball instead of trying to get us uh, in our sets. He he is a shot-first guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, Jordan McCabe played some minutes. He got the start. He didn't play a lot of minutes, but um, he played some effective minutes. And I think he looked a little more comfortable, and I think as time goes on, We'll see more and more of him. Well, and I feel like the more and more the season goes along, the better he's going to play. Like, I'm starting to wonder if he's not just a little gun shy. Maybe so. Um, and it's it's a huge difference between, even if you're playing at the top-tier AAU level, coming to play D1 basketball is a huge difference. Especially Big 12 basketball. Exactly. Um, you know, my, my favorite player, growing to be my favorite Mountaineer, um, Harris. Harris had another solid game. He, uh, what was he, 50% from the field? Yep. Uh, Harris shot four for eight. Mm-hmm. He had 10 points, five rebounds, and played a pretty good all-around game. How many minutes? Uh, he had 27 minutes. 27 minutes. So 
he he just impacts the game, man. He a lot of what he does doesn't show up in the box score, you know, with his defensive pressure, his changing shots, tip balls, um, things like that, man. They they don't necessarily show up in the box score. Mm-hmm. Um, now, see, I w- the big one of the bigger takeaways for me was this Culver. Culver kid. coming back, man, dude. <laughs> 6'10", 255, mm-hmm. especially Athlete. with Sags being out. Mm-hmm. Kid in his second career college game goes out 11-11, double-double. Yeah. And speaking, uh, <laughs> speaking of Sags, man, uh, I keep reading some different things. You know, Holgerson had a sideways comment that he was injured and he wasn't going to play until his knee was feeling better and he practices. And he, he kind of sideways threw in there that um, he'll play when his brother wants him to play or when he and his brother decide. <laughs> so... Um, that's interesting. Um, I don't know what he thinks. If his goal is to play overseas, then so I, be it. I, see, I don't see him being an NBA guy. Right? I don't know that he can be an NBA guy. I mean, I didn't think Montrez Harrell could be in the NBA, and yeah, he's doing pretty solid. But either way, man, um, do what you do. Play ball. If your knees hurt, rest. You know, but you just you. It's kind of like the Will Greer thing. Take care of yourself. I understand that, but Will Greer is guaranteed to get drafted. Yeah, and well, Sags is not. Yeah, I mean, and with Sags, I feel like there's a lot more to that story. Kind of feeding into what you're saying, like there's there's more to what's going on with him. He should be playing, mm-hmm. and he's not. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, it like you said, it's big news for Culver to come back. It's his second game um, back. Um, he he had some off the court issues first semester, um, but now he's back and he's playing solid and I feel like he's bought in. And he he likes to play the brand that we play and I think moving forward we're gonna see him make more of an impact. I love R- Logan Route. He's he's a homegrown kid. Um, but he he's not this Culver kid. You can't teach athleticism. You can't teach height. Yeah, and you know right now we're recording, but there's a Mountaineer basketball game going on right now. And we're winning twenty-one to twelve with just under four minutes to go. And Culver, I can tell you right now, is making a big difference. Five points, three rebounds, and an assist is perfect from the field. But I'm guessing that he's got foul issues because he's got two, and it doesn't look like he's been back on the court since. So they're playing pretty good. I'm hoping that they can just kind of stick with it, especially this Culver kid. Maybe he's the difference maker. Maybe he's what they needed. Put him in there with Harris and Bolden off the bench, McCabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think moving forward, the energy and the hustle that Culver will bring, paired with Bolden playing more off the ball, and Issa just being mediocre because that's what he is. If he could give us 12 points a game, <clears throat> that's fine. You yeah. know, if he gives us 30 points one night, great. Mm-hmm. But if he could key us in 12 points a game, you got uh, the energy guy in Culver. And then you got Beetle coming off uh, off the ball. Mm-hmm. And then Wes Harris just being that jack-of-all-traits glue guy. I think we have potential, man. And it's, it's going to be fun to watch. I'm a little more optimistic <clears throat> with Culver coming back and Beetle's showing progress. I'm still, still saying um, it's going to be really hard to make the big tournament. Still saying we're probably going to be in the NIT. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it's gonna take it's gonna take a miracle of an end of the year in Big Twelve play for us to even have a hope of making the tournament. Yeah. <clears throat> if um if for some reason we're able to go nine and nine, um, which is 
the the thing with Mountain with with WVU Mountaineer Nation that we do have, um, coming to Morgantown and playing in the Coliseum is is hard. Mm-hmm. And if we could win six or seven home games, preferably seven, and somehow steal two to three on the road, you're looking at nine and nine or ten and uh, ten and eight in conference. And that's getting you an attorney. It is, especially you know? because of how big of a gauntlet the Big Twelve is, and, and the committee knows that. Like, if you finish top four, top five in the Big Twelve, you you have earned a tournament berth. But the thing that's going to hurt WVU is that non-conference schedule, schedule. and how bad they play. Yep. So if we do get in, like like we both are saying, like it's going to take an absolute miracle. If we go ten and eight, we would be eighteen and twelve. Yep. We got in at eighteen and twelve with Jawan State in that year. Yep. And we weren't very good, but we made the tournament, and I think that's going to be some, something similar to that. Well, speaking from a South Carolina fan, just making the tournament's a big deal. <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Lamont West is still not doing anything like I expected. I, I, he's, he is not consistent. He is a one-dimensional player. Um, and right now that one dimension ain't been working. Nope. Chase Harler is still – he's more of a glue guy again. Um, we can't expect too much out of him. I want to see McCabe on the floor. I think uh, I think with big guy with en- energetic big guys behind him, I think um, you know he can stay in and play D. Um, if you let this Culver kid and McCabe, if they stay together for a while, I have a feeling they could develop something. Oh yeah, they could develop a chemistry, and um, it'd be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, hey, tournament or bust, twenty wins would be the dream. Mm-hmm. If you get twenty wins, that would be going twelve and six in conference, and you're probably looking at like a five seed. Yeah, you know, you go five hundred in conference, you're looking at about seventeen, eighteen wins, and you're going to be on the bubble. Yeah. You're gonna, you're just gonna have to, you're gonna have to win some games in the conference tournament, or maybe damn near win the conference tournament. Yeah, let's just let's just hope for the best for Mountaineer Nation. Well, that's gonna wrap things up for WVU basketball, and now we're gonna move on to our NBA headline. Welcome back to third period. Uh, we're now going to do our drawing for the gift card. So um, if you liked, sub- subscribed, shared, left us uh, a review or uh, followed us on Twitter, shared our Twitter poll, different things like that. There were many different ways you could enter. So if you did any of that, your name was entered into a list. And now we have a hat. Eli, my man, you grab the hat, shake it up for me. All righty. All right. So I'm not looking. Eli, you vouch. Yep. I'm looking right at it. All right, so it's looking like Blake Cundiff is the winner. So, Blake, you get a hold of us either through email, DM, text, whatever you got to do, and we'll be getting a hold of you to figure out what you want for a gift card, my dude. So you have to uh, listen. Uh, clearly, you have to be listening to this, but send us a message on Facebook or email us. Uh, Facebook is Teachers Take West Virginia, and the email is Teachers Take West Virginia at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. So uh, give us a shout, Blake. All right. So now that the drawing is over and that got all y'all's attention out of it, we're going to go ahead and move on to our NBA segment. And we're going to go ahead and talk about James Harden. He has been on an absolute tear these last 10 games. Specifically, I'm thinking of the last four. The last four games have been almost Kobe godlike. 
Tell me, tell me that stat line. Uh, not well, the not the stat line. Tell me the forty point game stat line. Dude, in his last ten games alone, yeah, he's averaging forty one points, mm-hmm. seven rebounds, mm-hmm. nine dimes. Wow! Like he's almost averaging a triple double with forty points. Yeah, that's yeah. just stupid. Then what? What about his consecutive forty point games? Oh, uh, dude, the last four games alone, he has just absolutely murdered it. Murdered. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact point totals. Just give me a. It second. was it was over forty points, right? Oh yeah. Oh, it was well over forty uh, points in his last four. So you know he puts his name up there with uh, some of the greatest scorers and the greatest players of the game. Um, my man Kobe Bryant scored forty points nine consecutive times. Mm-hmm. And um, see, he kind of flirted with uh, what's his face's record? Was it Wilt? Well, he actually. Um, he tied Jordan. Jordan had nine consecutive games in 86 and 87. Mm-hmm. And Kobe did it in 2003. So nine straight games scoring 40 points or more. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a feat. Yeah. And uh, Wilt, Wilt is unreal when it comes to scoring numbers, man. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which, you know, the competition may not have been the same. But uh, either way, in uh, 61 and 62, Wilt scored 40 points or more in 14 consecutive games. Mm-hmm. And then he did it again in 62 and 63 for 10 consecutive games. See, that's that's just stupid. It is. And, you know, prolific scorers, it, it is, it's a big deal to score 40 points. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, even if you're one of the best players in the game, as James Harden is, to score 40 points is tough because, you know, you have to take a good bit of shots and you have to be efficient and, and, and you have to make a, your fair share of shots as well as get to the fair line, foul line and many different things like that. But, um... To put your name in a in a list with a Kobe Bryant, with an MJ, and with a Wilt, I mean, man, that that is that's bar none. Yeah. Um, I know one thing that you were mentioning too is they're actually winning. Yeah, and you know they're winning without that guy that just had to demand more money this offseason. He wanted more money. He's a ball dominant guard, mm-hmm. and he never plays in key games because he's always hurt. Hurt. I mean, think about the playoffs last year. Oh, where'd he go? Yeah, I mean he. Magically, he gets this. What was it? A hamstring? Hamstring. Injury? He he has some bad hamstrings, man. Yeah. He needs uh he needs to see a trainer pregame to get stretched out every game. Yeah. Um, and of course, we're talking about Chris Paul. Um, Good old CP three. CP three of uh, of New Orleans. That yeah. CP three. He's gone. It was was the guy. He was the guy. But the CP three that that. We came to know with uh, the Clippers, who was a solid player, but guys guys didn't like playing with him. And I, I know I've said that before in our podcast. Guys didn't like playing for CP3. He's, and, he's too big of a jerk. Like, he, he will literally sit there and ride a guy so hard. For what? Yeah. Why are you going to ride a guy? you got an 82-game season, you're going to jump his throat? He's not the coach. Exactly. Um, I mean, the guy that he is now in Houston – um, you know, he's making a good bit of money. He's injured right now, but it, it's it's phenomenal that the team is actually playing better without him. And the reason why they do play better is because Harden is a ball-dominant guard. CP3 is a ball-dominant guard. CP3 has lost a step. Okay, Harden is one of the best athletes as well as scorers and overall all-around basketball player. Yes. Um, now, you know, he may turn the ball over quite a bit, but with Harden running the point, 
you have a better chance to win than you do as CP3 running the point, in my opinion. Now, you know, I know CP3 is phenomenal, and he's great. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. Give him absolute credit. But at this point, he is not a good fit alongside James Harden. James Harden needs more of a Clay Thompson or um, a Contavious Caldwell Pope. I don't know why they didn't try to get him. Maybe they will. Um, you know, you see how Trevor Ariza flourished. You see how Eric Gordon flourishes. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs a catch-and-shoot guy or a guy that is able to create his own shot. Harden doesn't need someone to create for him. No. He is able to get his own shot. And See, I, I would love to see the Rockets go out and make a move, but nobody's going to take Paul in that contract. No, they're not. And <clears throat> I don't know that the, the Rockets want to really get rid of him. I yep. mean, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, the thing that bothers me most is Harden is in the prime of his career. And he needs a little more, and clearly CP3 isn't it. And um, I just think five years from now we're going to look back, and Harden's not going to be the same guy that he is, and he's going to have missed out on well, you know, a lot. But, you know, I mean, you know, he can't help that he plays in Houston and that he plays against that super team out there. Yeah, well, I, we've, I'm, you know how I am with all the stats, you know, me being a math teacher yeah. and everything. I'm sitting here and I'm looking at Harden's stats just in the last two games. On Saturday, they played New Orleans at New Orleans. He was on the road in a feisty yeah. new, at a, in their arena. He dropped 41 with nine rebounds, six assists. And then to make this icing on the cake, dude had two blocks, three steals. It's pretty solid. I mean, he did He's not known for defense. You know, he, he gets a lot of his steals playing the passing lane, mm-hmm. and he gets a lot of his blocks playing help defense. Yeah. And the thing that really helps him is his ability to get to the foul line. Absolutely. In that New Orleans game alone, he went to the foul line 14 times. I guess how many shots of those it made? 14. Yep. Perfect. And, um, he does have a niche for getting to the basket and, and, and getting to the foul line. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and then I'm sitting here looking at the Memphis game. This is the one from New Year's Eve. This is Not only did he drop 43, he had a triple-double. Triple-double. Uh, 43 points, 10 rebounds, 13 assists, 2 steals. He did have nine turnovers, but he had 13 assists. And you know how he is, man. He's always going for the big play. Yeah. Um, I mean, the plus-minus on that is still Good. positive. Yeah. Uh, you know, ne- you never want to see a guy turn the ball over nine times. But, uh, you know, when, he, when you rely on him to dominate the ball and create plays the way he does, you're going to have that. Yeah, I mean, he dropped 43 points, and he got 21 of them from the free-throw line. That's pretty tough. Yeah, I mean, it, and he's one of those guys that, yeah, I harp on it so hard about – flopping and everything yeah. like he sells fouls he does, he does. It, but you know if guys aren't going to learn and they're going to contest him so hard that they're getting all up in his face like that and the refs are just dumb enough to call it like a lot of these guys have been in the NBA this year it just sucks but he he's one of those smart players he's playing <clears throat> yeah. to the environment and with the the way the that basketball as a whole is being refereed at the moment you know you you really have to be careful with um, how you play, with where your hands are, um, you know how you're you're bumping a guy, so to speak, with your with your midsection. You know if you if you if you play an angle and you cut a guy off and and you jam him, you're going to get a foul called. Um, so this this player movement, this free movement, is uh, is really you could see is playing an effect on the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scores that we've seen this year, just in in. Without overtimes, we've seen games of 130 points. And, you know, in years past, it would take an overtime to get 130, 140 points. So, mm-hmm. uh, 
the next topic um, along the NBA lines is what do you think about LeBron calling himself um, the greatest player of all time? Well, I think Michael Jordan said it best in, what was it, 2009? Something like that, yes. I, I find it disrespectful to the legends of the game mm-hmm. by calling myself the greatest when, when we don't know. Right. Because he wasn't playing against the guys. of he, 90s brand of basketball was physical. It was SEC football. Yes. And you know? that's the kind of basketball I love to watch. The Dennis, If Dennis Rodman played in today's NBA, he would have gotten booted two, oh, two he, years in. Yeah, he would never have made it. He would never have made it. Um, and he was one of my favorite guys. Like I, I still love watching old highlights of him. That was the, oh, yeah. that was the feistiest, Dude, him and, meanest and, um, guy on the court. Him for the Pistons, man. He he was he was a real deal. Yeah, and even Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambeer, that whole group will tell you Maybe. Rodman helped us. Absolutely. Um, my thing with LeBron is, I credit him present day basketball being the best player in the world. Yes, absolutely, hands down. You know, I I used to get upset when people would claim that he was the greatest when Kobe was still in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, and I admit that's biased because I'm a huge Kobe fan. And I, and I'm the same way. And. In reality, overall, all-around basketball player, LeBron James impacts the game in so many ways, and it's in positive ways. Yes. And, um, you know, what he means for the game and for his team, and, you know, he's also a social advocate um, for different things, whether you support it or not. Um, I commend him for trying to make a difference. Yes. Whether you support what he... Uh, what his goals are or not, it doesn't really matter, but he's actually using his platform for what he feels is just. Yes. Um, and now, I will say that it does rub me the wrong way with some of the stuff that he's came out and said, but, you know, I'm not in his shoes. That's not my platform. Mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. making hundreds of millions of dollars, and if he wants to use his platform in that way, so more power good. to him. Absolutely. So, you know, he's done a lot with his position, and he's done a lot with his ability. Um but, you know, I, I just kind of have to agree with Jordan, man, in, in, the, in the comments that he made. It's not fair for him. It's not fair to claim that you're the greatest because of the generations before you, and you didn't have the opportunity to play those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Had athletes evolved? Absolutely. Has the game evolved? Absolutely. But who's to say that some of the greatest athletes or players that played in the past wouldn't have evolved and been just as good today? Um See, I want to take a guy like LeBron and put him back in 1980s, 1990s. Oh, yeah. And see see what he does because... I think he would still succeed because he plays a lot like Magic. Yes. But a more athletic Magic. Um, Thing is, is I don't know if... And to think about today's NBA. If a guy gets touched... It's a foul. It's a foul. Yeah. Back then, I watched highlights of Larry Bird straight up knock a guy into the first row... And bench is clear, and yeah. all they called was a common foul. Yeah, <laughs> like no um, objections. I mean, got, back then guys still cried for fouls. I call it crying because I, I it burns me, man. I don't like it, man. Like if you if you feel that you got fouled, I understand that. I know what it's like to to feel like you get fouled and to the ref to not call it. But don't be a crybaby. It's so annoying to see a grown man whining at the referee, begging for a call. Mm-hmm. That oh man that that bothers me. But um, see I'm I've I've always been the guy that does the fouling. Yeah, like I, that anybody that's played pickup with me, anybody yeah. that's done any that, any basketball with me, 
knows I'm going to be fouling. I'm going to play hard. And if you want to call foul, call it. Yeah, if, if not, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Play on. <laughs> um, so is LeBron the GOAT? No and yes. Yeah. He is the greatest of his era. Yes. He is the greatest from 2008, mm. from 2008 to 2018. For a decade, he has been the greatest player. I agree okay? with that. And then anything outside of that, I can't say. No one can say. No. No one can say. Because there are guys that have better stats than he does. I mean, you look at Oscar Robinson. That dude was statistically, my goodness. Statistically, he was a more efficient Russell Westbrook. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, he didn't have to take near as many shots. He scored Mm -hmm. just as many points, Mm -hmm. rebounded, assists, steals. And he literally was a human cheat code. He was magic before magic. Magic, yeah. (laughs) So, um, well, you know, that's our take on that. But uh, moving on to this week's power rankings. Um, we have Milwaukee coming in at number one in the East. Mm -hmm. Um, Until you can stop the Greek freak and the supporting cast there, you're going to have problems. I mean, you know, you got Middleton. He's he's a tough shooter, man. He he gives you solid points a game. Um, You look at uh, the point guard backed up John Wall. Oh, Brogdon? Not Brogdon. Oh, what is his name? Kentucky. Oh, um, Eric Bledsoe. Eric Bledsoe, man, he's tough. He's still a solid athlete. He's got a good team around him, and he he does he does a good job at. Uh, at he hit him. on Christmas Day. He hit one of the luckiest shots I've ever seen in my life. Doesn't he always though? Yeah, oh, dude, that, he literally threw a missile off the front of the rim, and it ricocheted up and just happened to fall Fall right in. in. Um, so you know, Milwaukee's sitting there steady at number one. Um, Toronto coming in at number two. Yeah, I've got the same thing. Yeah. Uh, Toronto, they, I've been hard on them this year. Yeah. But they're starting to climb up because... They, they win games. They do. And I am I just can't put them at one just for the basic fact. Yeah. They I always mean, choke in the playoffs. Well, they may choke in the playoffs. They have a different cast this year. But they, they, could, they do this weird thing this year specifically where they'll win two or three games and then they'll have a game to where they don't really show up. Yeah. And that, that is... That think, is kind of like a red flag. Well, do you think that that's probably why, you know, uh, Popovich was so hard on Kawhi? I think Popovich was so hard on Kawhi is because um, I don't think they saw eye to eye, and I don't think Kawhi wanted to play there anymore. Yeah. I think they just kind of wore out their welcome on each other. Yeah. Um, See, and at number three, I had the Pacers. That's why I had the Pacers. And Victor Oladipo, man, I mean, you know, you can look at the stat sheet, and it's not going to blow you out of the – Water by no means, but um, that stat sheet is going to read his stat sheet's going to read you know 16 to 25 points, mm-hmm. probably five to eight assists, and five to eight rebounds. And he's going to have guarded the best team's player the whole game. Yep, and the impact that that makes across the board, man, is tough. He he is their go to guy, he's their leader, and well, and he he is the face of that franchise, and I thoroughly enjoy watching him play. And I'm in the same boat. I I have a thorough enjoyment of watching Pacers basketball just because of Oladipo. He's Mr. Everything. Mm -hmm. And right now, they're riding a five-game win streak. They've won eight out of their last ten. I mean, who's to say by the end of this week, maybe they're not sitting above the Raptors in the playoffs. Right, yeah. I mean, very well could be looking at a Mm -hmm. two-seed. I have Philly sitting at four. Uh, I think there's – like, when Jimmy first came over – they kind of clicked instantly. 
and um, it looked like Jimmy was going to be the go-to, and then you had Embiid come out and be a little vocal about some things. Mm -hmm. And now I think they're going through some growing pains. Mm -hmm. I think they're going through some adjustments and some growing pains. They're still winning games. They're still fourth in the East. And honestly, Milwaukee is a clear-cut favorite. So, and I guess Milwaukee and Toronto would be clear-cut favorites. But outside of that, you know, you don't have a Golden State in the East. Um, so, in my opinion, anyone one through six could win the East yes. very easily. And, um, you know, we thought coming into the season that the Celtics would make a jump and that would they would dominate, and they're not. They are, they are lackluster and... and, and to be quite frank, mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a phenomenal coach, and I know they're going to get it figured out by the end of the year. And it's not going to be a surprise if they do make the Eastern Conference Finals. But uh, right now, they're not showing that. See, I'm I'm different from you in the aspect of who my four spot is in the East. For me, it's Boston. Yeah, I've watched them play quite a bit this year because I feel like they're on every day that they have a game. But that's neither here nor there. I'm looking at point differential. Mm-hmm. When Boston wins. They're winning by way more than what Philly's winning. Right now, Philadelphia's average point differential is 2.1, whereas Boston's is 5.6. And I know Boston does have their ups and downs, and like you said, they're a very mediocre basketball team, but, I mean, they play in the Eastern Conference. I mean, it, <laughs> literally, Milwaukee is pretty much it's Milwaukee, Toronto, and then hopefully somebody else figures it out. Yeah. And – that's why I have Boston up there. They have so much star power there. They do, but they're just they don't have they don't get it. They're not getting it. They're not meshing. They're not I mean, you know, you, you can you know, the, the statistics of it on and the win side. Because um, they're only two games back from Philly right now. And, Philly's and on Philly's really I think I think Philly and, and, and um Boston are both flip a coin, you never know what team's gonna show up. You know, because Philly could show up and run anybody out of the building, or they could show up and lay an egg. And the same thing with Boston. Boston could show up and run anyone out of the building, or they could lay an egg. Yeah. So. And I'm going to give you a little fun fact here. This is this has nothing to do with my power rankings, because they're my team, but they are literally the definition of mediocre every year, and that's the Hornets. Yeah. Throughout the entire season, you know they have been 1-1, one 2-2, and 3-3, one, two and two, three and three, all the way up to the point that it is, they are now 18 and 18. <laughs> and they are sitting, get this, they were in the West, if they were in the West, They'd they wouldn't even be in the playoff right. hunt. Even, even worse, they are sitting at the sixth spot in the East. They are above the Heat and the Pistons, and they are sitting at six. They're only three games back from Boston. Boston, at 18 and 18. At 18 and 18. Welcome to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, folks. man, absolutely. Um, now, well, transitioning over to the uh, Western Conference, uh... Dude. Win category, Denver's number one, man. See, but, see, my, I mean, Denver's number one power ranking-wise per ESPN, but I'm going Golden State, man. Until, until you beat them, it's just is what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, you got Clay Thompson battling a shooting slump. He seems to maybe have gotten out of it. Draymond is not looking very good. Draymond, um, he, he, Draymond is he's good at what he does, but when he's knocking down shots, He's that much better, if that makes sense. So he's going to impact the game with his defense and his rebounding. But when he's able to knock down shots, it's unbelievable what that does for the team. Yes. You know, because he's going to play the same whether he's hitting shots or not. But just what that does for the team, man. Um, 
KD is still KD, and and you know my man Steph is still going to do what Steph does. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat with you. I want to put Denver up there, but Denver they're battling the injury bug right now. So yeah, they're sitting at one for now. They're a half game up on Golden State, but until somebody knocks off Golden State, they're one for me. Absolutely. It, I mean, they're the best team in basketball. Denver. Um... Denver's tough, and I've mentioned that home court advantage, man. And it's real, man. It is absolutely real. When you play above sea level at that at that altitude, the air is just its a little more dense. It's harder to catch your wind. It's like that feeling where you need to catch your second wind the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, Denver's solid. They have a balanced team. They play both sides of the ball. They're fun to watch. Yep. Um, so that's my second, and then um, so you had Golden State, and you you agree with Denver at second. I do agree with Denver at second, just for the injury bug deal. But if they lose that Murray kid, if he even goes down, if the Joker gets hurt, oh yeah, they're in trouble. Well, I mean that's any team. Yeah, if any team's best player goes down, yeah, yeah, and if who's to say that if they go down for an extended amount of time, I don't see anybody on that team that can carry him like. Harden has taken over. No, the they don't have a clear cut superstar, but I think that's kind of like uh, kind of like our boy over there in the East with uh, Oladipo. Mm-hmm. I think they have a couple of guys that could very well fill in that role. I mean, Murray is their go to scorer, mm-hmm. but they run their offense through uh, Nikola or Jokic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so at that- number three, Westbrook is is made a point and an effort. To <clears throat> look for his shot second. Yes. So he's pushing forward and he's he's struggling a little bit on offense, but he's going to Paul George more. He's still impacting the game because he's a phenomenal athlete. Yes. Like you and I have said, he's probably the best athlete in the NBA. Yeah. Probably one of the best professional athletes in all sports. Well, did you hear what he said about being the best at his position and everything? Oh, absolutely. And it was honestly hard to disagree with him. Absolutely. I mean, he the only thing that he would be lackluster at would be shooting. Yes. But anything else? My See, goodness. Well, I liked his wording when he made the quote. He said he's the best scorer. Scorer, yes. Yeah, because best shooter, there, there, there's at least – Ten guards, I better. can think of that are shoot better than yeah. But Russell Westbrook gets to the rim, and he's he and Paul George and Stephen Adams. They got a they got a good run. They do, they do. Um, I like the the role that Paul George has has taken on. He's he's upped his scoring efforts, and I think Russell Westbrook is maturing as a player, and he's understanding what it's like to help make his teammates better because he has reached a point to where he understands his ability and. His best thing is to create and get others to play well. If he needs to, he can take over. But they're going to flourish more as a team if it's a full collected effort. Yes. Whereas last year or the year before, he averaged that triple-double. It was He was everything. He was everything. And now he still pretty much is everything. But a lot of that scoring burden is lifted from him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have guys flourishing in those roles, and they're doing pretty good. Yeah. All right, and in my number four spot, we were talking about him earlier. Uh, I'm sitting here looking at the Rockets. At the, the fighting James Harden's, man. Yes, for real. The beard yeah. or bust. Dude, we talked about it earlier. In his last 10 games, he's averaging 41, 7, and 9. Yeah. Care to guess what they are in their last 10 games? 10, uh, 7 and 3, maybe? No, nah, 9 and 1. 9 and 1. And that, that's the best. Of Is any that, and and tell, correct me if I'm wrong, that last 10 games, pretty sure CP3 yeah, yeah. yeah, he hasn't been here. Yeah. And imagine that. They're climbing the rankings. Originally, they were sitting at about where the Grizzlies and Kings are, just out of the playoffs. Now they're all the way up to the fourth Fort spot. Seed. Three and a half games out of first. Yeah. So, I mean, they're... Well, and, and you know, 
we referenced um, the the East with um, with your guys, Charlotte, sitting there at eighteen and eighteen. Mm-hmm. So what is the eighth seed in the West? Twenty one and seventeen. Twenty one and seventeen. You know, which is eight, about what the Celtics are. Eighteen and eight in the East puts you at the tenth spot. Yep. And eighteen and eighteen in the West puts you at the sixth spot. Mm-hmm. So so the the the. Comparison between the two conferences, it, it still holds true. Well, you see, this is sort of like feeding into what we talked about a couple weeks ago. They, they the true yeah. 16 best teams. Because I'm getting sick and tired of seeing this. Like, I love the Hornets. There's they don't no, deserve it. There's no reason. Because if the season were to end right now, we would make the playoffs. And I'm sorry, we are not a playoff basketball you team would make, right now. Right. The, who, would, uh, who would be the uh, ninth seed in the West? The ninth seed in the West would be the Sacramento Kings, and they would be sitting at the sixth spot above the Hornets. Yeah, in the West. Yeah. I mean, in the East. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, just trying to wrap your head around that just kind of blows your mind when you look at all these records. Yeah. So, um, guys, that's going to do it for our NBA take. Um, Stay tuned for fourth period. But uh, if there are other topics, whether it be basketball, football, whatever it is, feel free to DM us or email us. Um, drop us a comment anywhere on our social media platforms. And, uh, you know, we'll de- delve in some research and get you some information. But uh, keep listening, and uh, fourth period's coming up next. Welcome back to fourth period, guys. This is uh, the lightning period where we are going to do a quick rundown of the playoff Picture this weekend. Eli, first up, we have Colts at Texans at 4.30 on ESPN. All right, for me, I'm looking at this game. I think what Andrew Luck and Frank Reich have done has been amazing, but I think their run ends in Houston this weekend. I think Deshaun Watson and them are just going to have a a heyday with it. I think um, my man at receiver is going to have a phenomenal – Good old DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins is going to have a great game. And um, if the Colts get after – Watson, they'll have an opportunity to win, but I think Watson and uh, DeAndre stick it out and pull out the win. Yeah, I'm on the same same boat with you. Uh, then we got at eight fifteen, we got Seattle at Dallas. You know, for me, they are mirror teams. Yes. You know, I know Dallas doesn't get a lot of credit on defense, but they have very similar quarterbacks. They have very similar run games. And um, their defenses are again similar. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be a tough game. Uh, Seattle may have the experience at quarterback. Uh, they don't necessarily have it at running back. I think Dak and Zeke pull it out. Yeah. See, I'm kind of on the Russell Wilson and the running back army bandwagon right now. I think Seattle is going to be too much to handle for Dallas. I don't see Zeke having a big game, and he's been their make or break guy this year. Mm-hmm. So I think they're going to. I think Dallas is. Good, it's good for them to host a playoff game, but they're going to fall short this weekend. Fair enough. Moving on to uh, and that get that was uh, Cowboys and Seahawks at eight fifteen on Fox. So yes. moving on to Chargers and Ravens, they'll be playing at one o'clock on Sunday on CBS. All right, I love this matchup because the last time these two teams played, Baltimore went out and pulled one out in L.A. They did. And for me personally, if they can go all the way out to L.A. and win, why can't they do it home? Exactly. And Lamar Jackson, I'm going to give that rookie credit. He played a lot better than I ever thought he could. I agree with you. I'll second that Lamar Jackson comment. However, I think that the moment is going to catch up with him. I think that he's not going to have a great day throwing the ball. He might have some turnovers. And I think Phillip Rivers' time is due, and I think that we all need to show him some respect. He's a great quarterback. I think the Chargers are going to pull it out on the road. I, I, hope, I hope that happens, but it's going to be really tough. All right, and then our last game on the wild card weekend is at 4.30 on NBC. We have the Eagles at Da Bears. Da Bears. Ah, uh, man, 
I mean, it'd be fun to pick the Eagles, right? It, it would be, but Napoleon Dynamite, I think his magic might be running out. He's got to go feed the llama. No, what was her name? <laughs> Tiffany? Yes. Um, no, Tina. Tina. Yeah, Tina, <laughs> Tina, Tina. Um, you know, uh, my man Nick Foles is, has really gave them the opportunity. I did not think that they would be where they were. Uh, Carson Wentz is clearly the, their quarterback of the future. I didn't think Wentz was going to be able to make get them to the playoffs. Um Mitchell Trubisky, that run game, that defense, it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. Uh, play action, Trubisky has some legs as well. I'm going with Trubisky and the Bears. They're going to pull it out. See, so, yeah, I'm going with the Bears, but I'm going because of the Mac attack. I think he is going to absolutely tear Nick Foles a new one. I think he might end up setting a sack record this weekend. <laughs> uh, Would not surprise me. Uh, as much as I watch the Eagles play, they cannot protect the backside at all. Yeah. And that's Max Strong's. Well, and that's also what happened to their starter. Yeah, I mean, it, what did he get? A fractured vertebrae, vertebrae. and that's why he's been out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. Um, so, guys, that's wrapping up the fourth period here. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we really thoroughly enjoy doing this. Um, the more... The more interaction we're able to get from you guys via social media um, or our personal email, um, you know, it's, it's great. Um, we look forward every week to sitting down and doing this. Uh, help us grow. Help us cover what you want to hear. DM, uh, email, whatever it is. If there's a topic that you want covered, reach out to us. Drop us a comment on our page. Leave us a review on uh, the streaming platforms. Um, you know, share us on Facebook. Let us talk about us to your buddies. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're trying. We're just trying to help give you guys more content. That's all we're trying to do, and we look forward to doing it every week. So that's Facebook Teachers Take, or Teachers Take West Virginia. That's Instagram Teachers Take West Virginia. That's Twitter Teachers Take West Virginia, and that's email Teachers Take W at Gmail dot com. Teachers Take dubv at gmail.com so give us a shout and uh, we'll have more drawings coming in the future tune in like share comment do your thing guys we have more content coming next week